families. Uh, Father, this is not a patriotic message per se, but really when we begin to preach and teach about the truth of the Word of God, it's all, it all is relevant to the health of our nation because as uh, if our nation is to be healthy, we're going to have to have healthy churches. And if our church is to be healthy, we need healthy homes. And uh, Father, if our homes are to be healthy, we need healthy Christians. I pray that you help us to take the Word of God this morning and apply it uh, to our own hearts. Help us not to look at what others are doing or not doing, but Father, help us to apply it directly to our own situation, our own hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray. I hope that you'll uh, listen attentively as I preach to you this morning. One of the great devices of Satan is to convince us to procrastinate. Procrastinate. You've heard the old saying, never do today what you can put off to do tomorrow. <laughs> uh, that's, that really is our mantra in a lot of cases. Uh, procrastinate. Just do something, but don't do it today. Don't do it right away. You know, it's that, uh, that project that some of you fellows have at the house, and you know you need to do it, and uh, you, you've got the list in your mind's eye right now of things that need to be done, things need to be accomplished, uh, what do you call it, the honeydew list, or <laughs> whatever you want to call it. There's things that we look at and we say, you know what, I really need to do that, and I'm going to do it, but just not today. <laughs> just not today. One of the great tools of Satan is procrastination. Put off something until later. Delay it. Someone said, yesterday is a canceled check. Tomorrow is a promissory note. Today is cash in hand, therefore spend wisely. There's a lot of truth in that. Someone said, today is the tomorrow that you talked about yesterday. The truth is, we only get a finite, limited number of days. You only have so many days on this earth. We understand that. We understand from a very early age that our time in this life is limited. We have no idea when our time is up. Earlier this week, I was uh, in the car with my wife, and uh, a young lady sent her a message, and she said, did you hear that, and she gave the name of a young man, she said, did you hear that so-and-so passed away in his sleep last night? The name that she gave my wife, and my wife said, did you hear that, and uh, did you hear that so-and-so passed away in his sleep last night? And I said, you got to be kidding me. This young man, when I became youth pastor, uh, as a, I was 23 years of age, and that first Sunday I walked into the youth assembly, he was a, he was a ninth grade young man. He's, uh, he's probably 10 years, 9 or 10 years younger than I am, so he would have been about 40 years of age. And, and uh, he went to sleep on, uh, I guess that would have been uh, Wednesday night, and everything was normal, just as it always had been. And uh, he, there, there, he had a few health problems, but nothing that, would, that you would uh, deem serious by any stretch of the imagination. But he passed away. He went to heaven in his sleep. And I was reminded once again of the fact that all of us have a limited amount of time on this earth. We don't know. We don't know. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. But God does not tell us when we're going to leave this earth uh, for eternity. He just tells us that uh, we have a limited number. Uh, Psalm chapter 90 and verse number 12, the Bible says this, So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Teach us to number our days. 
And in the text that we read a few moments ago, Hosea, the prophet, is reminding God's people about their need to get down to business and to do it today. Do it today. Don't wait until next week. Don't wait till next year. Don't Well, you know, Pastor, uh, I'm, uh, I'm aiming to do this. I'm going to do this. My intentions are to do this. Someone said that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. That's true. There are people all over this auditorium. You have good intentions of what you know you need to do, what you ought to do for the Lord. Let me encourage you this morning. Do it today. Start today. In our text, the people that Hosea was preaching to, they knew what was right to do. They understood what was required of them. They simply had just put it off. They simply were procrastinating. Ladies and gentlemen, that describes us as God's people in 2019. For the most part, we know what is right. For the most part, we have a good idea about what the Lord expects from all of us. There are many people in this room this morning, you've been in church, not just for years, but you've been in church for decades. You've been, uh, you've been exposed to the Word of God for year after year after year after year. There, there are many people in this room, you were saved as a child. Maybe you responded to the gospel as a, as a, a junior age person or a, a teenager, and, and some of you, you got saved in your young adult years. But I'm talking to many people in this room this morning, you know what's right to do. You know what you should do, and you know what you shouldn't do, but the, the, the problem is many times we're procrastinating, procrastinating. In the verse that we read just a few moments ago, Hosea, uh, by <coughs> the word of the Lord, said, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. It's time. It's time, not yesterday. Yesterday's gone. Can't do anything about that. Uh, we can't sit here and, uh, and moan and complain and gripe about what we failed to do yesterday, and nor is it wise for us to put off for a future date what should be done. No, what we ought to do this morning is say, it's time. It's time. It's time to serve the Lord. James chapter 4, verse number 17, the Bible tells us this, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not to him, it is sin. You know that verse highlights much of the sin that's committed by good folks in this room this morning? Listen to it again. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good. It didn't say, therefore to him that knoweth not to do evil. That's not what he said. Now, we understand that there are sins of omission and sins of commission. And uh, uh, most of us, when we think about sin, we think about the thou shalt nots of the Bible. Oh, I shouldn't do that, or I shouldn't do that, or I shouldn't drink that, or I shouldn't watch that, or I shouldn't go there, or I shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that. But notice what he said. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Sins of omission. And that verse highlights much of the sin that's committed by good people in this room this morning. That which we know we ought to do, but for whatever reason, we just put off doing it. We just say, you know what, I'll get to it later. I'll get to it later. This morning I want to submit some simple thoughts from this passage. The passage that we read simply says it's time to serve the Lord. Yesterday is gone. We can do nothing about it. The devil is a master at robbing us of what I call the precious present. 
the devil is a master at robbing God's people, robbing a lot of people, not just God's people. We'll talk about salvation here in just a few moments. But the devil, he's an expert at robbing us of the here and now. He robs us of this moment by reminding us of the failures or the issues of the past. There are people in this room. uh, the, The devil is having a heyday in your life because he keeps beating you up with something that happened years ago or decades ago. Or maybe it was last week. Look, understand, Paul said, I'm going to forget those things that are behind. I'm going to reach forth under the things that are before. He said, I'm going to press toward the mark. Satan, he robs us of today by either getting us to live in the past or by, by, by convincing us to delay until tomorrow what needs to be done today. Either way, he is robbing us of what I'm calling this morning the precious gift of the present. You only have this moment, folks. You don't have yesterday anymore. It's gone. You don't have a promise of tomorrow. The Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. I can't, uh, I'm not to moan and groan about what I missed out on yesterday, what, what, how I failed yesterday, how I was mistreated yesterday, what went wrong yesterday, what I, didn't do, what I did not do that I should have done yesterday. Because while I'm thinking about all of that, guess what I'm missing today? I'm missing today. I'm missing the opportunities that God has put right there in front of my face on this day, June 30th, 2019. Satan sometimes convinces us to delay till tomorrow what needs to be done today. I submit to you this morning, it is time right now to live for the Lord. It's time right now to live for the Lord. Hey, forget about yesterday. Don't be, don't dwell upon what you're going to do tomorrow. Hey, do it today. Let me share with you some thoughts. First of all, it's time, according to the scripture that we read a few moments ago, it is time to break up the fallow ground. Look with me back at the text, if you will. Hosea chapter number 10 and verse number 12. He said this, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. Notice what he said. It is time to break up the fallow ground, the neglected ground. Imagine with me a farmer who goes out into a field that had not yet been cultivated. And you, all of you can, can, can visualize that in your mind's eye, a field that has not been plowed, a field in which the soil has not yet been turned over or broken up. It's a, it's a field where the ground is hard, and the only growth in that field uh, is, is the production of weeds. Isn't it amazing how weeds can grow anywhere at any time? If, if you're here and, and, uh, and, and you pay close attention to your lawn, I like to work in the yard a little bit. I, 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 for me, mowing the grass is almost therapeutic. I, I just like to sit on the lawnmower, amen. And I, I've said it many times in here, but my dad, he bought a riding lawnmower the week after I left to go to college. <laughs> he was no dummy. I went, <laughs> I went off to college in the fall of 1987. You do the math. And, uh, and the very next week, my mom sends me a letter. And in that letter, she says, uh, she says, oh, 
she thought I'd be happy about it. She said, she said, oh, your dad just went to Sears and bought a brand new Craftsman lawnmower, you know, whatever, 42-inch deck or whatever. And I thought, oh, that's great, wonderful. Throw that away. Uh, <coughs> nothing like encouraging words from home when you're in college. But I, I, uh, for me, riding on the mower is a little bit therapeutic, and, and uh, I, I enjoy doing it and, and uh, mowing the grass. And then, uh, uh, you know, one, one time I'll cut the grass this way, and the next time I'll cut the grass this way, and the next time I'll cut the grass at a 45-degree angle. I just like the way it looks, and, and uh, I'm always amazed at how they can put those, those major league ballparks and put those designs out in the outfield. That's, that just, that's amazing to me. But anyway, I digress. And, uh, <coughs> but isn't it a fact, fellas, when – Especially late in the summer when, when it's, it's, you know, the ground's kind of dried out a little bit. But if you can't grow anything else, hey, there'll be some weeds out there. There'll be some weeds out there. So if you imagine with me this fallow ground, ground that hasn't been given any attention to, ground that hasn't been cultivated, ground that hasn't been turned over, it's just a, a barren plot of land with just weeds. May I say that farmer can pray for a harvest all he wants to. He can throw seed all over the place. He can pray for the right amount of rain and sunshine. But there's one major problem for that farmer. The soil hasn't been prepared. The soil hasn't been prepared. That farmer, he's not going to expect much of a crop if he goes out to a, a barren wilderness or barren plot of land that hasn't been cultivated, hasn't been turned over, hasn't been plowed. He can just throw seeds on that thing, but if it's not been plowed, if that soil has not been prepared, he's not going to reap much of a harvest. Jesus referenced that in the New Testament. He gave that illustration when he talked about the seed of the Word of God falling on the obstinate, hard hearts of men. He said not much is going to come from that. Not much is going to come from that. He was talking about the condition of our heart. And here in uh, Hosea chapter 10 and verse number 12, he said it's time for us to ask the Lord to break up our own fallow ground, the fallow ground of our heart, the fallow ground of our heart. Our spiritual problems can be whitewashed and justified all day long, but they all boil down, my friend, to a heart problem. My problems today stem from a heart problem, and your problems today, spiritually speaking, stem from a heart problem. We can try to cover it up with our activity and our outward appearance, but God knows the condition this morning of our hearts. He knows the jealousy. He knows the malice and the hatred. He knows the bitterness. He knows the deceitfulness. He knows the pride. He knows the greed. He knows our self-centered motives, and he knows all of it. And at the heart of our problems is the problem of our heart. And Hosea, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he gets a word from the Lord. He said, hey, it is time, it is time, it is time to break up the fallow ground of your heart. Until we get real honest about who we are, and until we get honest with our God about the filthy condition of our hearts, nothing else will be corrected. Nothing else will be corrected. Our spiritual problems, you know, you can point a finger at everybody or anybody that you want to, but the reality is until we're willing to look ourselves in the eye, until, until we're willing to go to the mirror and look at the man in the mirror and say, your problem, sir, is you. You know, it's hard for us to do. <laughs> it's hard for us to do. You know why? Because by and large, we love us. <laughs> we look in the mirror and we say, 
to know me is to love me. <laughs> That's the way we are. But if we're going to be honest with ourselves, hey, if we're going to correct the spiritual problems that we have, look, the Bible says that my heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Now, pastor, whose heart was he talking about? He's talking about the heart of man. He's talking about the heart of human beings. How many human beings do we have in here this morning? Ta-da, there we have it. <laughs> he's talking about my heart, he's talking about your heart. And until we're willing to look at our heart condition for what it is and, and turn over the fallow ground of our hearts, nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change. Far too often we deal with the fruit of our problems, but we never address the root of our problems. Far too often we'll look at the, the effects of, uh, uh, of what is going on with our wicked heart, and we try to window dress it, or we'll try to, we'll try to put some, uh, uh, try, try to make it look okay, try to make ourselves feel better about it. But until we deal with the root of our problems, which is heart that is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, we're barking up the wrong tree. David sinned with Bathsheba. David was, uh, he was the one that, uh, as you know from your knowledge of the Old Testament, many of you know that he conspired to kill Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, to try to cover up his sin. But in his psalm of repentance, if you will not take the time to turn to it this morning, many of you may be familiar with it, but in Psalm chapter 51, David comes to God and he comes clean with God. He comes clean with God. Now, understand, David was guilty of adultery. And he was guilty of murder. That's uh, pretty tough stuff right there. Nathan the prophet goes to David and he tells him a story about a man who had stolen one little ewe lamb from, uh, for, 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 that belonged to his neighbor. And this man that stole the lamb, he had all, he had everything that he could want. And he had no reason to go and steal something that didn't belong to him. And, and uh, David, upon hearing that story about the man who stole his neighbor's ewe lamb, he, he, he became wroth and angry. And he said, uh, he, he said, that man's going to die and he's going to pay fourfold. And then Nathan looked at David and he said, you're the one I'm talking about. Thou art the man, David. You're the one that God sent me to, 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 to proclaim ju judgment and so forth. And of course, we know the story that David did get right with the Lord. But notice what he said in Psalm chapter 51. He cried out to God and he said this, Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Hey, that's where you and I need to be, begging the Lord for a clean heart. I'm saying this morning we need to break up the fallow ground. Hey, it's time. It's time to quit pointing a finger at everybody else, blame every other circumstance, and look at it square in the eye for what it is and say, hey, you know what? The reason why I'm not growing in the Lord as I should, it's my fault. It's my heart. It's my issue. <laughs> not everybody else. Hey, it's not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Hey, you, you know, you, you can pass the buck all you want to. And by the way, that's our human nature. Passing the buck, that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Remember that? God came to Adam and Eve there in the garden, and uh, he said, hey, Adam, where you at? And uh, uh, when God confronted Adam with his sin, what did he say? The woman you gave me. It's her fault. <laughs> We're good at that, aren't we? Eve, what about that? That serpent. It's his fault. 
We're good at trying to blame shift. We're good at trying to pass the buck. Hey, if we're ever going to be what the good Lord of heaven wants us to be, we're going to have to look at our hearts first and foremost and say, we got some work to do there. God, would you create me a clean heart? Hey, send that spiritual plow of the word of God into my heart and turn over that uh, soil and and get it fit for the word of God to take root and for truth to to flourish and blossom and for there to be good spiritual growth. Hey, but it starts with my heart. When's the last time you went to God and said, God, would you give me a tender heart? A tender heart. Be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another. You know what the, the, uh, the, the implication of that verse is? If I don't forgive, it's indicative of the fact that I've got a hard heart. That's what he says. And be kind one to another. Hey, if, I'm not, if my life is not characterized by kindness, what that is indicative of is a heart that is fallow, that hasn't been turned over, a heart that's not tender toward the Holy Spirit of God's work in my heart. He said, first of all, it's time It's time to turn over the heart. It's time to break up your fallow ground. Notice number two, it's time to sow in righteousness. It is time to sow in righteousness. Back at our text, Hosea chapter 10, verse number 12. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. Notice he said, sow in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy in mercy. Now, there's a correlation between the sowing and the reaping there. By the way, there's always a correlation between sowing and reaping. Galatians chapter 6 tells us, be not deceived, God is not mocked, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. There's always a correlation of sowing and reaping. We all want to reap mercy from the Lord and from others, but if that's the case, we need to be careful of what kind of seeds we sow, he said. Sow in righteousness, reap mercy. Sow in righteousness, reap mercy. We have no right to expect mercy if we don't sow in righteousness. Just like you have, look, if you go out into a field and, uh, and, and uh, you sow green beans, well, guess what? You have a right to go out into that same field at harvest and expect to reap green beans. Now, you dead sure aren't going to go and sow green beans and expect to, I don't know why you would want to reap lima beans, but a disgusting thought for me, but I digress. No, you're going to reap what you sow. Now, he said, don't expect to sow mer- or reap mercy if you're not sowing in righteousness. Uh, Dr. Bob Jones Sr. said this. He said, do right. Do right if the stars fall. Do right. Do right. Hey, you know, that really, that, that's, what boil, that, that's what righteousness really boils down to, the doing of right. That sounds kind of elementary for Sunday morning church service where you kind of, I mean, intuitively we know we're supposed to do right. (laughs) But I think it bears repeating this morning. Do right. The doing of right is its own reward. And whether you've been saved for six months or 96 years, hey, it's time, he said, to do right. Look, God's people need to get back to just doing right. Living right. Talking right. Thinking right. Behaving right. Well, you know, preacher, we live in 2019, and there's a lot of gray area. There's not near much gray area as we like to think there is. No, we need to do right. So, in righteousness, 
uh, the, the implication there is doing like to others in, a, in an effort to reap mercy from others. Hey, we're not going to reap mercy from God or man if we don't sow in righteousness. Treating people right. Number three, it's time to seek the Lord. I hasten. It's time, first of all, to break up the fallow ground. It's time to sow in righteousness. Number three, it's time to seek the Lord. Amos chapter 5 and verse number 6. Seek the Lord and ye shall live. It's time for everyone in this room to make Jesus the central focus of your life. It's time. Hey, why are we putting that off? Why are we uh, so, you know, preacher, I know, I know, I need to... I need to be faithful to church in the summertime. You know what? I'm going to try that next summer. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I need to get involved in certain areas of ministry and trying to reach people and, and, uh, and, 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 uh, and allowing the Lord to use my life. You know, I'm going to do that one of these days. It's on my bucket list. Look, Christianity shouldn't be part of your bucket list. Christianity should be part of life. Christianity should be a way of life. Colossians chapter 3 talks about when Christ who is our life. I'm, I'm afraid we got far too many people who name the name of Jesus Christ who, uh, who put things that ought to be a way of life as, as part of a bucket list or something. It's time to seek the Lord. We'll reference salvation in just a moment, but there are saved folks in this room who are worldly and carnal in your thinking and in your behavior. You're trying to straddle the fence between living for the Lord and doing your own thing. And may I say, it just doesn't work doesn't work you read the passage very carefully and there's the the implication there early on in chapter 10 of Hosea that these people were kind of uh, comfortable in their lifestyle they didn't want anybody to rock the boat so to speak they didn't want anybody to uh, to, to upset the apple cart of their uh, of their uh, uh, material blessings and man everything was really good they didn't want anybody to disturb that time to seek the Lord. It's time to include God in the rest of your week, not just on Sunday. Yeah. God is not just somebody who wants to go to church with you on Sunday morning. He wants to be the hub of your life. The very central focus of your life. I was in college many years ago, Dr. Evans would stand up and he'd say something like this. If you'll make Jesus Christ the hub of your life, the circumference will take care of itself. That's true. That's true. Our problem is the central focus of our life many times is on ourselves or it's on how we can please ourselves or it's on pleasure or it's on material blessings. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not preaching against those things per se. I'm saying God ought to be the central focus of our lives. And if we'll, if we'll make sure he has his rightful place, everything else will be what it ought to be. May I say this morning, don't you think it's time to include God in the rest of your schedule? Don't you think it's time to include God by going to him regularly in prayer? Don't you think it's time to include God by spending time with him throughout the week? Don't you think it's time to include God by making his word uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the light that gives direction to your feet and lights your path on a daily basis? Seek after him. Seek after him. It's time. 
saying it. Some folks have been saved for year after year and decade after decade, and yet they give God a little bit of token time here and a little token time there and expect the creator of the universe, and on top of that, our Redeemer to be okay with that. What a shame. What a shame. Hey, it's time. It's time. When are we going to realize, hey, uh, we're, we're getting older, and every day that we live on this earth, we're one day closer to that judgment that Hebrews chapter 9 talks about. After this, the judgment. Hey, every day that we live on this earth, we're one day closer to eternity. Don't you think it's time? Don't you think it's time to break up the fallow ground of your heart? Don't you think it's time to seek the Lord? Don't you think it's time to sow righteousness? Last thing, it's time to be sure you're saved. It's time to be sure of salvation. I'm going to tell a fictitious story. I say fictitious because there's no way to prove this really happened. So we'll assume it's a fictitious story. But it's a good illustration of the brevity of our lives. And it's a good illustration of the fact that some people have bought in to a trick of Satan. Many years ago, there was a joint session held in hell by Satan himself. Satan met with all of the demons and imps that had fallen with him from heaven. He asked for their input about how best to populate hell. He went to these demons and these imps and this big conference of fallen angels and he said, how can we best ensure that the most number of people come to hell for all of eternity? He opened the floor for discussion. And there were suggestions given from all different parts of the floor. And some of the suggestions were met with hostility and, uh, uh, and, 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 and laughter by Satan himself and said, that'll never work. That'll never work. Suggestions began to pour in, uh, and, and many of them, most of them, were rejected by Satan. After much discussion and debate, one demon raised his hand and said, Satan, I have an idea. And I want you to hear me out on it. He said, let's tell people that they need to get saved. All of a sudden, there was a rumbling going on. What? He said, wait a minute, I'm not finished. Let's tell people that they need to get saved, that they ought to get saved. Let's tell people that it's the right thing to do to get saved. But wait a minute. Let's tell people just don't do it today. Don't do it today. Yeah, you need to be saved. Yeah, you ought to get saved. Yeah, <coughs> you know, fine. Just don't do it today. Get saved tomorrow. And then the next day. Next week. Next year. Satan comes to some of you who are young people, and he says to you, you know what, yeah, you can get saved. Wait till you're an adult. He comes to you who are young adults, and he says to you, why don't you wait until after you have a family? Get settled down a little bit. Hey, do your own thing for now. Get saved, but do it later. And 
Excuse after excuse, delay after delay after delay after delay. One of the one of the most effective tools of Satan in the history of this world of humanity has been that one thing. Put it off. Put it off. What about you this morning? There's two groups of people in the room. There are those who are saved and those who are not. But there is a tactic that is common to all of us as human beings, and that is this. Put it off. Do it later. Procrastinate. Hosea came to God's people by the word of the Lord and said, hey, you know what? Sow in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up the fallow ground. It's time to seek the Lord. Hey, my message this morning is simply this. Don't you think it's time? Don't you think it's time? Don't you think it's time to quit playing church? Don't you think it's time to make sure that you're saved? Don't you think it's time to get that heart tender toward the things of God? Don't you think it's time to seek the Lord? Don't you think it's time to start doing right? Don't you think it's time? Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed.